With a bad foot pumped up Because statistics are the best The bad foot pumped up Because you don't need footwear to bet Back to the Barefoot Punter. I'm your host, as always, the mug, your co-host, the logical one. The Pope is with us as well. And, of course, we take inspiration from the Barefoot Investor. But instead of giving you investment advice, we're here to give you a bit of betting advice on the AFL and NRL season. And that season is just about over. And it's a big welcome back to the logical one. Three votes, the Pope. (laughs) Two votes, the mug. The mug, you were just getting fired up then about the uh, the reading out of the Brownlow. It's it's got you got you a little bit wound up this week. So you want to continue out and elaborate about it? Well, I just think logical. This uh, three and a half hour exercise could be condensed very easily into one and a half. All I want is that little highlights package of the end of every round. All I want is the names read out properly. No theatre. I don't want any of this. C Oliver rubbish or C. Petrarca, rubbish. Just read it out. No theatre. Get it done. Hour and a half. We all go home. It's done. I know why they do string it out for three hours. It's so that you can scramble around and try and actually work out who's winning all your bets because their tracker is absolutely horrendous. For an organisation like that, who cannot have a tracker on their site so that you can find out who's winning for each team. Absolute disgraceful. And that's probably the reason. You've got, it takes takes that long to work out. I didn't know what was going on with my bets the other night. Well, maybe we need to get. Uh, we'll have a chat to Captain Jack, who's uh, just joined us in the background tonight for this uh, for this very special podcast. Maybe we can speak about our marketing slash digital man about putting up a uh, tracker for the mailbag, and uh, we can get some eyeballs uh, to the site that way. That might be uh, might be something that we can get in the works for next year. I think, yeah, he's got a few minions working for him, Captain Jack, so I'm sure he'll be able to find a few uh, a few for Brownlow night next year. Uh, very good. And uh, a guy that is also very excited on this podcast, and uh, rightfully so, because we've just had some fantastic uh, uh, games of uh, rugby league shaping up for a big prelim round this week. It's a big welcome to the Pope. Sometimes less is more, Mug. Low-scoring games doesn't mean it's not a good game. And Saturday night, we saw that. High-quality, physical affair, 8-6, but one of the better games of the season. So very excited for this weekend. Top four teams have made it preliminary final weekend, which is which is what you want in any competition, really. No, very good, Pope. And uh, I had a few AFL devotees who tuned into the games uh, over the weekend. And we were actually talking about it quite a bit, about how good that, Parramatta Penrith game was to watch. So, you know, a lot of AFL eyeballs are on that game, appreciating the contest, appreciating the the defence, appreciating the hard hits. That was really something. Yeah, it was. It was, as I say, probably one of the better games of the year. Physical, both teams willing. It was it was a great game. Hopefully, we see more of it this weekend. No, awesome. And uh, logical, of course. No footy for us, but we had the Brownlow. Um, what were uh, were some of your takeaways? Um, how did you come out of it? How did you feel about it? Well, we know that it's the midfielders' medal, but more than ever, it was apparent on Monday, on Sunday night, and also just players that getting those really high counts, four players over thirty, which we've never seen before. I think that's sort of been coming over the last few years. They've been those top players have been getting more and more votes, but the modeler genius that he is, he's put together a little bit of a summary for me today. Um, total votes, 
midfielders got 66% of them for the count. But total three votes, midfielders got 76% of them. Um, so even I think that almost shows that the umpires just go for the stats for the for the three and probably maybe not so afraid to sh show a bit of flair on you know backs and forwards and and the like on the on the twos and ones. But that's a that's a huge huge amount um, of votes for the midfielders um, this year uh, and and very very interesting. Um, Ford's got 16% uh, or 16.5%. Defenders got 10, 10.6% and, and Rucks 6.5%. Um, so uh, not, uh, not good to be a defender in the Brownlow when that's being split between six players, uh, which we well, well and truly know. Yeah, very good. And, uh, and I mean, we had a couple of winners um, for the, the mailbag subscribers, but we, not everything got up. I think we had a small win in the end, um, but probably not the night that we were we were hoping for um, for the listeners and the subscribers. Yeah, small earn. Uh, I think we needed text text to win for Adelaide, and Keys got a two voter. I think when when they lost by forty points or so in one match, and then and Tommy Mitchell just polls well, doesn't he? And that, uh, that Zorko one for the Bet365 group uh, actually got done in the end by Cunnington, who was a $7 shot. Um, we had Cunnington in quite a few other bets, so that wasn't as much of a concern. But, yeah, Cunnington probably overpolled in the end, 15 votes. Yeah, Cunnington went really well. Um, you know, like in hindsight, like we were sort of on him, um, but, you know, those, those mature players that are reasonably well-known and good, good blokes, if they have a season – it's half decent late in their career. They seem to go well. Um, Richo's one that comes comes to mind, and I've seen that a few times um, in, in players' careers, especially for a team that's not necessarily a dominant team, and that they're the, they're the one sort of good player. They can have a really, really good count. Well, uh, yeah, Mundy, Parker, maybe a few other guys that um, were uh, examples of, of that also. Um, guys, did we see any bad beats? Logical, maybe to you first in the Brownlow. Was there any bad beats that you saw? Well, there's probably a thousand bad beats in the Brownlow, to be fair. But was there any that's that you saw? I would say it's hard to have bad beats in the Brownlow because you, you you're betting into bad beats. You sort of, you know, you're, that's what you're in for when you have a bet on it. And and part of the reason you do back um, back teams as well, uh, or back back things in the Brownlow because there can be upsets. But uh, yeah. I wouldn't. I'm not putting up any bad beats myself. Um, I think uh, we'll be over to the Pope to see what he's got. Oh, just, just, just quickly. There's probably a thousand punters out there that I reckon have taken the short on McRae to have three votes in that game where he had 40 disposals and 12 tackles or, or whatever it was. And uh, I'm not even sure he registered a vote, did he? So uh, there would have been a few, a uh, few ones claiming, uh, claiming that is a bad beat. Sure. Pope, what about the NRL? Yeah, I don't know if you can classify Parramatta as a bad beat. Mug, they were close and you've heard enough this week that they're probably on the rough end of the officialdom on the night, that they probably got some rough calls, not quite to the extent that's made out to be, but I'd probably say the overs in Manly Roosters game. For those, that jumped 48 and a half and there were 42 points scored after 48 minutes in that game and then only one try in the last half an hour, so... I'd, while Parramatta were close, I don't think it's a bad beat. I, I think the overs in the Friday night game, which is probably not what you expected me to say, is the one that's probably the tougher from a betting perspective this weekend. 
No, I agree with that. That's uh, that's definitely a bad beat. You'd think that's home for sure. All right, Logical, are you ready to talk some AFL? Yes, please. All right, mate. So uh, the big one, Melbourne uh, taking on Western Bulldogs. And I know where you'll want to go first. You'll want to go straight to Norm Smith Medal, if I'm not mistaking. What have you got for us? Norm Smith. Yeah, so it was really part of the reason that the modeler pumped, I got him to pump out those stats on um, ground low percentages of bids, defenders, forwards and rucks was also because I do use the brown low as a bit of a guide for the forming the basis of my Norm Smith uh, market. And, um, you know, 66% of mids got the three vote, or got the votes uh, in the brown low this year. Historically, over the history of the Norm Smith, 45% um, of midfielders have won the Norm Smith, 36% of backs, 14% of forwards, and 5% of rucks. So rucks is pretty much in line with the Brownlow, but obviously the, the backs go much better in the Norm Smith and the forwards go slightly better and, and the mids don't go quite as well. I think about a 66% reduction. So I've sort of I use that a bit of a basis of what sort of votes the players get um, for the norms for the Brownlow for the year for each team, and then and then bring that down again, and then obviously it's a small sample size of Brownlow, and, um, and there's some other things recent form that come into play, and and then, and the like. Um, but then I, I just you know like if you look at Oliver this year, he's had he got nine best on grounds, Bond got nine best on grounds. They're getting like 36% of their teams their teams votes. Oliver's still in really good form, you know. Could, have, could say he was probably best on ground a couple of weeks ago. That's how well he's going. So I sort of look at look at that that angle. And then but what it does also show to me, show me is some of these guys at first look that I thought were a chance in the norm, their price, you know, when you're doing a market to 100%, you really, you've really got to push some of these guys out and you realise some of these guys are absolutely no chance at all. Um, and, you know, like it really surprised me that, you know, Caleb Daniel only got one best on ground for the year and 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 uh, Lever and May and these guys are not even really getting best on grounds at all during the year. They, they, they can still win the norm because it's a different medal, but it just just it comes in that price a little bit when I when I had to do a bit of reflection and look at that. Um, one that I really liked at first look was Bailey Smith, but then he's been he's in good form, but then I saw that he's been playing a lot of forward and he's he's actually played 75 percent of his time up forward in the last two games that the dogs have played and it's really hard for a small forward to win the norm smith uh in that position so i actually think he's been back too short and i've gone off him i don't don't want to be on him in playing that type of type of role and you know he had was he's been good the last two weeks but not necessarily getting a lot of best on grounds during the year um so i think he's he's a little bit under and, and i've come up you know, it's it's been a bit of a method the last few years, except for Johannesson, but I've really liked Dusty those other years. And, mm. and this year, I'm, I'm, I'm liking the favourites again. I, yeah. I, I thought straight away Oliver should have been favourite. I don't know how Petrarca went up favourite over Oliver. You know, I could I could make a case for them being equal, but I thought Oliver should have been favourite over Petrarca. His recent form's just as good and he's had a better, slightly better season. I think he probably goes better in a close match than what Petrarca does as well. Um, I like um, so yeah. I like Oliver. I like really like Bont. Um, they're, they're the sort of the two 
the top of the market. I like, you know, it doesn't take, you don't need to be genius to back favourites, but still they're reasonably priced. You know, I think on Betfair for both of those, you're looking at a price of around about $7.80 to $8 at the top of the market. I don't like Gorn. I just, I think he, he was best on ground. There's a bit of recency bias there. He was best on ground the other week, um, uh, kicking four or five goals. He's not going to kick four or five goals in a grand final. Well, at least it's going to be very unlikely. You know, he's probably only had one other best on ground for the year. And I know he's got a really weak op- opposing ruckman in English, but uh, it, he's too short at that $9.40. It doesn't mean he can't win it, but I just thought that price was way too short. Um, the only, probably the Smokey that I think can win it um, is Libba. The, there's, there's a chance he does get a tag, uh, but he is very crucial to the winning of the Norm Smith. Uh, I mean, sorry, the, the winning, the, the, the performance of that team. I would like to get a look at who the Norm Smith panel is before I probably went too deep on Libba because, you know, if there's those, those really sort of Tony Shaw's and tough sort of players voting on the Norm Smith panel, you'd really like them to be looking at someone like Libba. But so you'll sort of, the, the panel, I haven't been able to find out who the panel is yet, but leading into it, uh, they, they announced the panel. So he's probably the outsider for me. So yeah, in summary, um, Bond, Oliver and, and Libba at, at this stage are probably my three. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that stuff around the, the panel because that, that's a great angle uh, to actually think about who is on that panel who is the stronger personality? You know, sometimes they chuck, you know, like a female member of the media team. You know for sure if you've got a Wayne Carey or someone like that on that panel that he's having the biggest say in that group, you know, so that there will be influence within that panel as well. So I think that's a really important point that, uh, that you bring up. I just jotted down some quick notes, um, like a little bit similar to some of the stuff that you've gone through. Other than Bontempelli, Petrarca and Oliver, there was only a handful of players that got best on grounds from either of those two teams for the whole year. And you're obviously aware of this. It was Josh Bruce. Max Gorn did it twice. Tim English did it once. Trelaw, McRae, Libba, Daniel, as you already mentioned, and Luke Jackson did it once. So I think you could pretty comfortably, based on what you're saying, Maxi, English, um, Luke Jackson, I don't think it's going to be Norm Smith medal on the big stage as a 18, 19 year old. Um, I don't think they're going to let Caleb Daniel run around wild down that back line by himself and, uh, and get a thousand touches. Um, so that pretty much leaves, um, Trelaw, McRae and Libba from that group. And then you go to the Gary Ayres meddling, the recent form, um, the guys that have got the best ons that are still in their running are Gorn, Bailey Smith, Libba and Oliver. Um, and then, of course, you go back to that group, Bont, Petrarca, Oliver. So those names that I've just read out there and, and to your point around the favourites being the, the most attractive option for the Norm Smith, I think the medalist is going to come out of the, one of those names. And, um, and you've already mentioned that you like those, uh, those three big ones in, in Bont, Petrarca, Oliver, which, again, we're not really stating anything uh, too amazing there, but, uh, but I think that's how it's going to play out. Yeah, the other two that I looked at when I first it was the first couple of looks, I I thought that Norton is you know he's got a huge amount of talent. Yep. Just so hard for a key forward, and he and he hasn't really taken hold of a game this year. He's probably he's probably threatened once or twice to kick a bag of four or a bag of five. Um, but he's going to have got- May, he's going to have May and Lever on him. Yeah. And the other two that I don't sort of I thought oh, I wouldn't you know maybe I these guys could win it, but. 
I look at their performances and they they rarely get in that, you know, that best on ground sort of slot. Um, and even when a key forward has a really good game in a grand final, you know, if you think back to Tom Hawkins uh, back in, uh, what, 2011, uh, even uh, Ruffy had a good game there. Um, Buddy had a good game in, in a losing one for the Swans, uh, for the Swans against Hawthorne uh, one year. Um, Norton had a great game last week and I don't think got a look, like didn't even get near it for the best on ground uh, yeah. last week. So, so even if he takes three, four massive clunks, kicks two goals, he's probably still not going to get the best on ground. And that's that's probably his, his ceiling in terms of his performance for the day. So hard hard for those guys to win it. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, mate. Well, that's uh, that's a great wrap on the uh, Norm Smith medal and, uh, and plenty for the punters to get their teeth stuck into there. What about the big one? What are we seeing in the actual game? Uh, looking at Betfair, I think we got around about $1.74, $2.34 in that line, around about seven and a half. What are you seeing? Yeah, it's been reasonably steady, $1.74, $1.72. Hasn't been many flux at all. Market seems really efficient. There's nothing like there wasn't um, a big result one way or the other last weekend. I think that's sort of skewed it like you would think most of the time that you know, the AFL grand final is a really efficient match which hasn't been the case every year like I, I think last year the market overreacted to Richmond only just beating Port and and Geelong smashing Brisbane you've got that recency bias and you, you know on reflection now how did Richmond start basically pick them in that game at the off you know they, they'd won two of the last two of the last flags and they're you know a far better side most of the year Geelong and sort of snuck in there. And then you go way back to, the, I think, the, the 2000 and, um, 2014 grand final, um, which is the one that really stands out to me as being the most inefficient and, and one that Dicko probably doesn't want to want to talk about. But um, the, the Hawks only just got over Port in a great preliminary final. It looked like they'd spent a lot of tickets and Sydney smashed up. Uh, I think it might have even been Geelong in the prelim. And they, they went off around about two's on, I think, in that grand final. It was just a huge plunge of money just based off one week's um, results, and it was really inefficient. You know, we, we haven't got that this this year. It's exposed form. They both smashed their opponents last week. The dogs got a week off, so there's no sort of angle for them being tired, and the market seems really efficient to me, and, I, and, I, and I, you know, I won't be having a further bet on the, on the grand final. Yeah, very good. And uh, for myself, uh, I feel a bit the same way. I've I managed to uh, <laughs> through some through the Brownlow dig myself out a little bit of uh, my hole that I was in on the doggies. Take us through that hole you're in, uh, Mug, and and where <laughs> you got out of that hole. Uh, well, I, ha- I had to do some moving and shaking. Uh, that's for sure. No, I was I was quite lucky. I had a uh, I had a multi from some time ago. Uh, Ollie Wines uh, into the dogs for the premiership. So um, that is paying about $21 and uh, and I got a good two and a half units on it. And uh, so well, just I, take I, us through that. You didn't, you think you didn't like the dogs at all for the grand final of the play. I just, well, I did logical. I just had a little, little mid-year saver is what I had uh, just, uh, just throughout the year at a, at a low stake. So uh, that's, that I, got, I was, I maybe got lucky, but I, I got myself out of that. So um, look, I've still got a little bit against the dogs uh, and I've got a, a small earn on Melbourne coming my way. If, uh, if Melbourne take it out and I'm not going to adjust that again, I've been against the dogs 
um, all this final series. I'm not going to change my position. I think Melbourne win. I, you know, when I go through the team and I look at the midfields, I actually think the midfields are both very solid. And uh, and if anything, you can make the case that the Western Bulldogs actually even bats a little bit deeper than the Melbourne uh, midfield. But Melbourne do have Gorn, which is a huge plus. Um, I think the Melbourne forward line is a little bit better balanced uh, than potentially what the Western Bulldogs won. And I do think the Melbourne back line is better. Um, so you put all of those things together. I actually think the Melbourne forward line, most importantly on grand final day, is a more accurate uh, forward line as well. And I think, I actually think that's going to be important. You know, um, Norton, Shaki, even the Bont when he goes forward, uh, have had trouble sometimes finding the middle of the big sticks. And uh, on a high-pressure, high-stakes day, um, I like the way that Tom McDonald, Ben Brown and Bailey Fritch kicked the ball. And I actually think that we might be talking about that come the end of the game is about the accuracy of the goal kicking. So um, all of those things put together, uh, I like Melbourne. I'm not going out to reinvest in them, though. Um, I'll, I'll, happy, I'll take my small win uh, that I've got with them for futures, and, um, and that'll be me. Yeah, okay. Your good point around the goal kicking that you're right can really take it, take the sting out of a team. Uh, it's going to be a beautiful night, though. There'll be no excuses. I think it's 27 degrees in Perth. I've oh, seen some of those Western Bulldogs players playing under the roof with no excuses and uh, and and spray them plenty of times too. So, um, yeah, I am a little bit worried about them for that. 27 degrees in Perth. I can see a bender coming on for our producer, Pete. He does love it here in the sun and you can see a long day there. I think he might be off to the game. So um, uh, it'll be interesting to get a report on that next week. Very good, mate. Well, uh, look, Logical, I don't know if there was anything else that you had for the listeners. No, um, that's 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 it for the, the moment. Just um, the Norm Smith is, is the angle and there'll be um, a little bit more on that for the uh, mailbag.com.au subscribers. Yeah, and uh, we'll get some um, we'll get some SGMs and some props up uh, for the grand final as well um, through the barefoot link too. So uh, stay tuned for those. But um, but from I guess on behalf of myself and Logical, uh, a big thank you to the listeners for listening into the AFL aspect uh, all year and supporting us through the mailbag.com.au. Uh, we very much appreciate it. And uh, all things being equal, we'll, we'll be back next year to do it again. But at this point in time. I'd like to hand it over to the Pope to talk some NRL. NRL preliminary finals, Pope. And Friday night, we kick it off. South Sydney Rabbitohs are taking on the Manly Seagulls. Now, I was messaging you about this one as soon as the markets went up. I wanted some confirmation. South Sydney go into these favourites, depending where you shop, one and a half, two-point favourites. What are you thinking here, Pope? You've heard me say numerous times this year, logical one, talk about recency bias. I'll bring a new term to the table tonight, similar in the same family, but different sample size. So I'm quite surprised about these prices. I'd have them pick them. I'd, there's nothing that sort of sways me that this should be a pick them game. So I think Manly's a really attractive price. And to that sample size that I'm referring to, this Price is similar on the basis of one match for South. So highly impressive performance against Penrith, but it is still only one game. The, the greatest sample size is how they've played all year. They can concede points. They can leak points. They are still missing Latrell. They covered over that against Penrith, but on the other side, Penrith's performance against Parra probably shows where they're at a little bit too and probably takes a bit of gloss off that South performance. So 
I think Manly's a great bet here at $2.15 and it's gone south way this over the last 24 hours as well, which I'm surprised about. So, yeah, I, I think this is this is pick and game pretty much. Very even sides, their strengths are similar, their weaknesses are similar. I can't split them. So I find this a really, really good bet at um, the $2.15 and the way Manly can play when they do get on a roll, they can go over too. So I think the margins are attractive here as well. I was going to say, if you like Manly, I know what that means here. And that's Manly, the uh, the alts, the way they bash up teams. What's What sort of stands out to me too about this market is I think with my limited NRL knowledge, if Manly win well versus Rabbitohs winning well, Manly would start a better price against Melbourne next week than what the Rabbitohs would. Um, would you think that's the case? Yeah, I'm in complete agreement with that. When I punch numbers or crunch numbers around the average price, I'd have it that Manly would be a shorter price next week against either opponent, but especially Melbourne, than what South would be. Just styles make fights, and obviously they've got the number one player in the game on their side, which makes a big difference. But I'm in agreement with that, that Manly's price is going to be shorter in grand final compared to South. Yeah, I sorry, I shouldn't have assume the Storm are going to be their grand final or the grand final opponents next week. Uh, I know they are short, but they've still got to win this week. Um, anything else about that game that uh, that stands out for you, Pope? No, I did. You can probably picture it. It's going to be in Queensland, in Brisbane, backing off a twenty-seven degree day. So I can see points being pretty prolific in this one. What that angle looks like, but. 44 and a half is a pretty high number for a preliminary final. So there might be an angle one way or the other around how that looks. It does seem to be a tendency in the final series so far to points to over-index in the first half of games. And then I guess fatigue becomes a bit of a factor later, which means points decrease. So there might be angles around first half points or high scoring half. But in, in terms of the match itself, I can see this being a little bit of a shootout and, and pretty free-flowing with perfect conditions up in Brisbane with two attacking teams. So we might try and find some angles there for mailbag subscribers later in the week. Yep. Okay, great. And the second game for the preliminary finals is Saturday afternoon. The uh, NRL um, put their tail between their legs and they moved that one to four o'clock. So it doesn't clash with the grand final, which is good to see. Uh, and that's um, Storm taking on Penrith. Storm are around about that nine and a half, ten and a half point favourites. And do a dollar thirty-three or so. Um, what are you thinking here, Pope? Logical one. If you had told me a fortnight ago on this podcast this game would be minus nine and a half, I would have said we cannot talk about rugby league. There's no way in the world, short of Cleary being out of this game, that this would be minus nine and a half. But here we are, and it's gone too far. This is uh, this is a little bit disrespectful to Penrith, all things considered. I think that a team that has conceded twelve points per game for the year is going off plus nine and a half. I know they've had their issues in the last fortnight. I know they've got injuries and they've scored two tries in two weeks, but this is too big for mine, all things being equal. So I think Penrith are a bet here. It's it's too much. This A fortnight ago, the premiership betting was Storm 250, Penrith 275. They've had a poor fortnight, but it's, it's too big for mine. This is, this is wrong at plus nine and a half, I think, and some have it at plus 10, so... As I say, the best defensive team in the comp, conceding less than 12 points a game and they're giving up 10 points. So I have to be on that side of the equation here. 
that takes balls to go against the storm in the sort of form that they've been in this year, Pope. But to to give you a little bit more confidence, the mod that is right behind you. He he makes uh, Penrith a two dollar forty shot in this game, so he he's he's aligned. And I should have so, should have added sorry in the last game. He also likes Manly. He makes them slight favourites as well. Um, but yeah, back to this Penrith Melbourne game. He, he's he's supporting you here. How many of them? I just as a bit of a stat. I know the Storm at one stage they covered about thirteen in a row minuses. Like how many minuses have they not covered this year? It must be an, an there must still be a huge percentage that they've covered. Yeah, well, I think top of my head, it's six or seven. So they've played 25 games for the year. So they've covered around that 75% mark of 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 the line. Oh, I don't think they've ever been underdogs or, or pick them they might have been. But, yeah, they've covered 75% of the time. Yep, yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, they had some season... Uh, but, you know, that, you, I totally, totally agree with you. That's very short for a preliminary final against a side like Penrith, the way they were going earlier yeah. in the year. Yeah, and as you know, logical one, when the weight of money is coming all one way, that the smarter the smarter bettors are on the other way here. And this has been driven by weight of money, this line. This went up around minus six, minus five and a half, and it's just kept going purely on, on the public weight of money. So... Often in these cases, the other side is the smarter play, and that's where we want to be here. I think I just I know they've had a bad fortnight, but I can't remove myself from the fact that two weeks ago this would have been minus one and a half this game. So it's a massive move to be at minus nine and a half, and I just think it's gone too far. This is a classic going against the weight of money, where this be the sort of um, game where Dad would say, "Oh, who do you like tonight?" To me, and I'd say, "Oh, I like Penrith," and he'd be like, "What? You've gone completely mad." Because he doesn't understand, they just don't understand price. They just think that Storm just can't can't lose, and the money just just keeps coming. And you know, it's the per- you're right. It's a great opportunity to get against a team um, when you get that sort of opportunity. Yeah, and I think with that in mind, what you just say, this is going to get this is going to get to double figures at some point. Might re- redress back towards Penrith, but I can see this getting towards your ten and a half at some point in the next couple of days for that theory alone that. The money's only coming for for one of these two teams, and that's the minus in this one. So, I, I think it's. I just think it's too big. I I know that they've had a poor fortnight, but they're still they've lost five games in two years. You know, like they they are an elite team, and I think they can turn it around and, and put on a performance on Saturday to at least be very competitive. Yep, yep, and obviously they'll be they'll be treating it like a grand final because it almost is the grand final, and. Um... Yeah, anything else that you see in this game, Pope, or for the uh, for the futures? The only other one in this game, logical one, is there's a, the stat here: when Storm play a NRL final in the last week of September, <laughs> and the temperature is over 22 degrees, it it's three and one on the overs. So, for anyone statistically minded out there, that's one to keep in mind with the temperature being 28 degrees on Saturday. But. In terms of futures, I think on the line of Penrith, I think them at five dollars is probably fairly attractive. That similar to this, you got three fifty this week, which I, I make a bet, and then I think they're going to go off a very short price. Maybe not as short as Storm, but I think they'll go off. That makes them probably about a dollar forty at the current betting, and they'll go off short on that. I think if if they beat Storm, then things this will this will flip in in terms of how they're viewed and what. You'll probably view Penrith similar to what you did a few weeks ago, and and you'll probably have them going off a dollar thirty in the grand final or something like that. Yep, 
Um, now, you spoke last week about top try scorer. You know, I think you're tipping up Saab, Djurovic and one other. Where's where's that sitting at the moment? Like, who's is, is Saab still leading that and how by how many? Yeah, Saab's equal top on three tries with a Newcastle player who's out of the competition. So he can't get any more. And he's currently around 275 in the market. And Tommy scored two last week and he's about three to one now. So they're, they're both, they're the top two favourites in the betting market at the moment. So if you're on one of those or, or both, you're in a pretty good position. Yep. Okay. Good update. And finally, Clive Churchill medal. Anything early? I know it's uh, not, not, there's normally a lot of percentage in the market at this stage, so there might not be. But is there anyone standing out before the uh, prelims? Yep. I'll give uh, – there's a couple there. The one I am warming to in terms of where we're at this week, and I like in Penrith, is Isaiah Yole at around 33-1, to 40-1. I think the bet at a really big price. That's clear he's taking up a lot of the percentage in the Penrith team in that market, and it probably hasn't adjusted for the four-hour out. He's, he's playing with an injury, so I think he's – attractive price and in for a higher percentage chance in that Penrith team than what the market has him. On the other side, though, on a shorter price, probably if you look at Storm, who obviously really short now to win the competition, Brandon Smith and Jerome Hughes, I think, are good value in that in the early teens. I think they're probably underrated compared to Pabenhausen and Cameron Munster in terms of those prices. So I think Brandon Smith, Jerome Hughes and Isaiah Yo are the price I like at the moment as we speak, logical one. Are there, would you, Munster and Pappenhausen, Pappenhausen being priced a little bit off reputation rather than form at the moment? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, the, the Pappenhausen percentage of votes he would have been in for for Storm has probably increased in the last couple of weeks as his form spiked. But Munster's reputation as a big game player is probably keeping his price too short. That the, the actual on field out, output from him at the moment isn't indicative of that price. So I think they're both under the odds. At the moment, those two, and I think the value is in Jerome Hughes and, and Brandon Smith for the Storm. Thank you very much. Uh, and anything else further to add, Pope, or are you happy to finish her up there? No, I'm happy with that uh, little sequence of events there. Thank you, Logical One. Great. Well, uh, do you want to sign us off, please? Gamble responsibly, but more importantly, on grand final week, gamble to win.